Welcome to the Silver Screen Guide Podcast. Join Corbin and Alan, along with guest hosts, as they bring their love for the cinema to discuss films from every genre and decade. Learn about the history of the film, little-known facts, and insightful explorations while they enjoy discussing your favorite film. The curtain is rising and your podcast is starting. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your guide to the silver screen. Welcome listeners to a special episode. This is my birthday pick. And for my birthday pick, I chose Uncharted. I don't think my birthday pick could be more opposite than Alan's birthday pick as far (laughs) as theme, thematic elements, and styling goes. If you missed Alan's birthday pick, that came out a couple weeks ago. We reviewed Waves, and we have also been reviewing the Die Hard franchise, which we are going to be bringing you the final review next week, A Good Day to Die Hard. And then from there, I'm going to be jumping into the, as of right now, Kingsman trilogy. So if you're not already subscribed to the podcast, now's a great time to do so. We do have timestamps below if you're ready to just jump straight to the review a bunch of extra goodies down there you're not going to want to miss and no matter where you're listening go ahead and leave us five stars that really does help us in the rankings well without further ado this is your co-host corbin and i'm alan and we should say that we are naughty dog fans we did Mm -hmm. review the last of us part two the video game actually so i'll link to our review of the video game down there as well The Last of Us, if you've heard of that, that's a video game made by Naughty Dog. That is interesting because that's actually going to be an HBO TV show that was supposed to come out this year. I think it's been pushed back to next year. But this is Naughty Dog's first major live action property that's come to big or small screen, I believe. So, Alan, I got to ask up front, how familiar are you with the Uncharted video games? I'm relatively familiar. I recently, within about a year or so, I played through um, all of the games. I own them all. Uh, I have one, two, and three on PS3, uh, and I have I have four now because I think it came out on like PlayStation Plus at one point. Um, but I ended up the way that when I played through it the first time, I ended up borrowing a physical copy from a friend. So um, I have played through all of them. I quite do. I do enjoy those games. Um, quite a bit it's they're ones that i kind of want to go back and replay i think and now i do have that the re-release on ps4 for those original three um i've been meaning to go back and play through them all again but i remember quite enjoying those games uh it's been a little bit since i played them but i do have at least that much exposure so i'm relatively familiar but i know that you have a bit more exposure than i do that is true yeah that's the whole reason i picked this for my birthday movie is because i have platinumed Uncharted 1, 2, 4. I'm currently working on the Platinum for 3, about halfway there. So I've played through Uncharted 4, I want to say 3 or 4 times. And of course, I've played through the first two twice now. I'm on my second playthrough of the third. I have played through Lost Legacy, really enjoyed that. And of course, I'll Platinum that after 3. So Mm -hmm. I think ever since Alan challenged me to play the last of us on grounded and then we both ultimate <laughs> we both ultimately went on to platinum together mm-hmm. the last of us and then it just kind of became a thing like how many naughty dog platinums can i get and i just had no expectation of platinuming the uncharted games i thought collecting 
those relics or whatever was stupid at first, but as I got more into trophy hunting, I thought, well, this could be fun. So I've actually really enjoyed the challenge of getting the platinum trophies on those games. And for those of you non-initiated into the PlayStation ecosystem, the platinum trophy just means you've got all the other trophies in the game and trophies are just things you do in order to get points. It's just fun challenges. It's no real Mm -hmm. consequence, just bragging rights, I suppose. But anyways, I'm pretty well knowledgeable, like ingrained in those games. So that's why I'm curious to see how are they going to live up with the movie, especially with Tom Holland as Nathan Drake, who is really nothing like the guy in the video games. But as for my theatrical experience... Um, I did see it in the IMAX on a Saturday afternoon opening weekend with my wife. There was no, almost nobody there. I don't, how was your experience? Really? Yeah. There were a few people there. Um, they, of course, we went to go see this where I, me and a few friends went to go see it. Um, like the weekend, uh, the Batman came out. So like the day before I went to go see this, I watched the Batman in theaters, actually in the same theater um we went to go see both these movies Mm -hmm. so everyone was pretty much seeing the batman when we were there it was like a saturday afternoon when we went to go watch it um so uh there weren't too many people that were there it was relatively empty i think there were uh, of course us three and then a few other people um outside of our group um but it wasn't too. It wasn't too busy. Uh, I think this is also kind of an alternative to the Batman because mm-hmm. you know that's that especially in this theater, every house there. I think there were ten of them. Every house was taken up by the Batman except for like three, and one of them was Uncharted. So it's like an alternative there. So there weren't too many people in my showing. So if I hadn't picked this for us to review, was this a movie you're curious about seeing in theaters? Were you going to wait to home video? Did do you remember this trailer at all? Did it do anything for you? So the trailers, I think I was able to actually just skip out on all the trailers mm. altogether oh, wow. until like the day before when I was watching the Batman, it was one of the trailers. Oh. Huh. Um, so I was able to skip out on all of that. Uh, honestly, I probably would have skipped it altogether. Um, seeing Uncharted and then seeing Mark Wahlberg and Tom Holland, uh, that's all I need to know. I think I'll just <laughs> wait. Uh, I don't really have much of a reason to go watch that in the theater. So, honestly, I probably would have skipped it. I probably would have waited. It, it would have eventually come out in, like, uh, let's see, HBO Max or whatever at some point anyways, I'm sure. So, I was still curious to go see this, just not because the trailers looked particularly compelling, but because the fact it was an Uncharted movie. I want to see what they're going to do with the property on the big screen. Mm -hmm. So the trailers didn't make an impact on me. I'll be honest. I don't remember these trailers whatsoever. I mean, I have brief glimpses of what they looked like. Um, I think the big kind of tentpole scene was Tom Holland falling out of a plane. Definitely looked kind of like a big exciting scene, which is definitely in a James Bond movie. Uh, I believe it's in the Timothy Dalton one, maybe the Living Daylights. I don't know. That was really well done. Check that one out. Um, anyways, yeah, it looked okay. So I guess I wasn't particularly excited for this movie. I'll say that. So, Alan, I'm not going to give you a plot or anybody else a plot for that matter because I, I saw this movie 20 days ago and after the movie, I thought to myself, 
how in the world am I going to condense that into a plot? I don't I'm not even sure how they got from A to B. And we can talk about <laughs> we can talk about that more a little bit later, but listeners, all you need to know, Uncharted is essentially Indiana Jones. It right. is it's the video yeah. game version of Indiana Jones. Exactly. That's it's it, exactly what it is. It's a Spielbergian Goonies, Indiana Jones-esque, let's go find the treasure in a fun, lighthearted way. So that's really the crux of this movie is kind of the origin story of Nathan Drake and how he comes to be this kind of world-renowned treasure hunter of sorts. And we get introductions to Sully and Chloe and how all these people come to meet because in the video games, they've known each other for a while. And, and you do get some of that backstory in the games, but this seems to be different. This directly contradicts events from uncharted three um when yeah. with nathan and sully first meeting but nevertheless that's a simplified plot of it but if you don't want to know any spoilers about the movie itself then it still is in theaters go check it out and then come back here and click play and we're ready to talk about it all right alan time for um time for a moment of truth i was okay. about 30 seconds late to this movie so okay don't blame me i'm not gonna blame my wife i've i've learned that's not the not the way to go <laughs> <laughs> okay i i understand i got but it but nevertheless so i did hear that this started with him falling out of the plane and then it flashes to him at the orphanage so that's where i picked up on the movie was him at the orphanage okay. so i missed the whole opening plane scene that comes back later on so i didn't really miss anything but this orphanage right. is something that um is actually how uncharted 4 begins that's where it comes into play right no yeah you're right you didn't miss much uh with the opening plane scene there it essentially is replays when it does happen later on in the film i think it's trying to pull like an uncharted 2 scenario because that one starts off on a train um and then we kind of as you play the game you get up into that point um when you flash back so I think that's like kind of what they're going for here is something like that. But you're right. Then it flashes back. Uh, it goes from, you know, forward in time to back in time, way back in time to when he was a kid and starts pulling from Uncharted 4 material with him and his brother. Um, and him and his brother, him and his brother, especially his brother, are very mischievous and mm -hmm. they get in a lot of trouble and his brother ends up getting kicked out, uh, which I, if I remember right, that is... Um, a part of the games, mm -hmm, yeah. uh, a part of Uncharted 4, he is, his brother is kicked out because he's breaking the rules. Yeah. So there is a lot of Easter eggs, I think in this movie, or a lot of nods to the video games. It's kind of just a hodgepodge of kind of the greatest moments or story beats from the games to create a new story that is pulling elements in from all the old stories. So some of the Easter eggs I picked up on was, I don't know if you saw this. Did you see the Naughty Dog symbol in his footlocker? Yeah. Yep. I got it. Yep. Um, there's also the music from the games, the auction sequence. There is an auction sequence in the fourth game. Um, mm -hmm. Probably the most fun was getting to see Nolan North himself, the voice of Nathan Drake. Um, when they wash up on the beach, Nolan North just sunbathing and kind of have this conversation. <laughs> My wife was utterly confused about that. So I had to I, lean over and I'm like, that's Nolan North. And she's like, okay, who cares? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, also, the ship seems to be this pirate ship is you do encounter a pirate ship at the end. That's where the ending takes place in the game. 
Um, yeah. Also, Sully's yeah. mustache and cigar at the second after credit scene is, and it's that green shirt he's kind of wearing, that definitely plays into the game. So, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people were very concerned Sully had no mustache, which is weird because he's kind of famous for that mustache in the games. Yeah, he's always had a mustache because even in the flashbacks when him and uh, uh, Nathan meet for the first time, even then he's got he's got a mustache. So I I fail to see the reason why they didn't give Mark Wahlberg a mustache. Maybe because he just looks weird. Because to be fair, he he does in that credit scene. Um, maybe that was why they didn't do it the whole time. But it is kind of like a signature part of his character is the mustache and then also the cigar. I I don't know what the reason is. I ultimately I guess I don't care. Um but I can't forget one scene Corbin, the airplane scene. Mm-hmm. That's pulled straight from Uncharted 3. Well, that's right. That's like yeah. the main action set piece of Uncharted 3 too. That's like the main set piece of this one too. They pulled This movie seems to pull mostly from 2 and 3 or sorry, 3 and 4 um and especially 4. Um but at least with the airplane scene when he's like dangling out with all the cargo that's pulled straight from three. Yeah. And it did also, that's a good catch. That's right. Um, he also at the end credit scene was using his ring. I know the ring plays parts throughout the video games and his, and Sir Francis Drake is brought up in this also. That's definitely a big part throughout the games. Right. I got to say overall, the thing that I enjoyed the most about this movie is that they had fun with the action. That's something that is big in the uncharted games are you're you're like playing a blockbuster these big action set pieces and that's what they did here the crate scene out of the airplane uh, maybe some people thought that maybe might have been too visual effects heavy i enjoyed watching it at least on the big imax screen i thought it had some fun to it um and the ending scene with the pirate ships floating in the air with the helicopters is kind of ridiculous but it's yeah. like so over the top. It's just like kind of works. So I can just see they're just kind of like go big or go home. So I think they're really kind of going for it here in these move in this movie. Right. Yeah. Hanging outside of the of the airplane. I mean, that was in the third game. So I can you know I I think it push it farther than the third game does. But at least you know there's a like a thread of you know origin there. Um, the pirate ship has a very loose origin because they're not f- not flying in the air in Uncharted 4. Uh, <laughs> you're stuck in the hole of a ship while it's burning down mm-hmm. as the climax yeah. um, of that game, um, not being carried by helicopters. Um, for me, that's when it pushed it too far because at first, like, okay, well, this is you know about on par with what the game what the games are, right? They're you know having a really fun action sequence that does go over the top. Um, you know, that's just how the style is. And I been able to bite up until that point. Then when they were flying in the air with those ships, and I'm like, okay, now this is pushing it too far. Even for the Uncharted games, this is really pushing it too far. So it's it's I think at least the all the action sequences were fun. Mm-hmm. I, I I will agree with you on that. I think that they're at the very least fun. Um, definitely don't think too hard about it because I think once you do that, this movie just starts to fall apart. But what they needed to do was get the action scenes fun. And I think that they are, were at the very least that much. And I would also say as far as crafting a story goes, clearly this is a new story. It does take elements from the games. But mm-hmm. to me, I appreciate that they stuck with that. They stuck with the games. 
I wouldn't want them to stray too far off from those games because now I don't want to watch the game just remade live action on the screen. I think that would be pointless. But nevertheless, I appreciate they're sticking to the property. I think overall, they are doing their best to give justice to the heart of the video games, which is this kind of globe trotting you know, adventure, treasure hunting film. And I I like that they also filmed it on locations. It was cool to see those different mm-hmm. locations. Yeah, I, I think um, this might be where you and I differ a little bit. I think that the story here, while I do agree, I think that they do go kind of go down their own route, but, you know, still harken back to, you know, the original games. Uh, mo- again, mostly with three and four. Um, you know, they're not completely replaying all those elements. I think that the issue that I have is that, uh, it, nothing is particularly memorable in when it comes to the story of of this one, um, and I think part of that is there's not a whole lot of glue that sticks it all together for me. But at the same time, you know, we don't get movies like this very often. I think James Bond is probably one of the few that we get where it's like a globe trotting adventure movie um, that usually comes out often, but. I can't really think of too many other movies that, you know, do something like this where it's just a straight up adventure movie that does harken back to like Indiana Jones back in like the 80s and 90s. There has been a while since we since I've seen a movie like this, to be fair. So at least at that point, from that aspect, I did enjoy it because we don't see it very often anymore, uh, an mm-hmm. adventure movie like this. Yeah. It is nice to see that. And they did film it on location, which was cool. But mm-hmm. I will say you're right, Alan. This story isn't terribly memorable hence my i was going to see how well i could remember it for the plot summary (laughs) it's not it i would say it's fairly paint by numbers when it comes to Mm -hmm. how the story plays out it seems pretty obvious where it's going to go i will say i don't think the uncharted video games are like any grand you know storytelling in any sort of fashion i think there really are just meant to create a fun exciting you know adrenalized experience in a blockbuster indiana jones style way that's really kind of all i was expecting out of this movie that's what i was just hoping for is this would be a fun blockbuster that wouldn't be too stupid you know i like i'm one of the few people that enjoys the fast and furious movies for how just over the top they are now i have my limits i think hobbs and shaw is like (laughs) <laughs> a Saturday morning nonsensical cartoon. That's just like right. crazy stupid. <laughs> right. No offense right. if you like that movie. I mean, that's fine. But like Fast 9 was ridiculous, but I still had fun with it. I think this isn't quite to that level. I don't know if you agree mm-hmm. with that or not, though. To be fair, I haven't seen the Fast and Furious movies. I think I've only seen six. Oh, so okay. <laughs> I, all I know is that they do continually try to over like outdo themselves from the previous film and it's gotten to the point now where it's just like kind of a little bit more ridiculous than it probably should be they did go Um, to space do they do it in nine yep do they really yep they went to space of course they do well with the car that (laughs) i I wish i could be more surprised but i'm i'm not (laughs) uh no i i think that i guess that is a good comparison from what i've heard Mm -hmm. it's very much like you know over the top action yeah, it's not really meant to be anything you're supposed to think too hard about. It's just meant to be it's escapism for escapism's sake. It's meant to be, you know, take me away. I don't want to think about anything right now 
kind of a movie. I would say, though, probably, if not my biggest letdown, maybe my second biggest letdown are the villains in this. Um, oh, well, <laughs> what villains? <laughs> so Antonio Banderas goes out in such a disappointing way. Um, now the main bad guy lady, she has a unique look. I think she does have a fierce presence. I just don't think she's given really much of anything. She has essentially no characterization, which is very disappointing. And she has a giant ship dropped on her, which definitely feels like a cartoon method of mm -hmm. taking out a villain. But nevertheless, it's like a Wiley Coyote thing. <laughs> it, it was Looney Tunes. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. But I, and I can't say like the villains in the video games themselves are always memorable, but they do present mm -hmm. a strong opposing force to our protagonists at the very least. I never really yeah. quite felt that in this movie, unfortunately. Yeah, no, I'm absolutely with you. Uh, I there there are chunks, especially in the first like hour and almost like an hour and a half of this movie, where the villains are just not even there and it's just our characters just kind of you know trying to figure out this whole puzzle and whatnot uh and the villains are just totally just non-existent for a, a good half of this movie like they're introduced but like they do nothing until about an hour in um so yeah i agree with you once when they do when that lady does kill antonio banderas i was ultimately left just confused because i'm like <laughs> i don't really know why he was going for the treasure to begin with outside of he thinks that he should own it because it's part of his family. And uh, when I I had to look into the plot summary afterwards because I was like, I missed something. Come to find out, I really didn't. Uh, he, Antonio Banderas is trying to get the treasure because his father said, you can't have the treasure because I, he doesn't think he should have it. He's not well, He's not worthy to have the family heirloom or the family treasure. So he kills his dad. And then the other lady kills him because she wants the treasure. And that's like, okay, so I didn't miss out on much. It's just un it's just annoying, I think, because they don't really explain it very well. Um, it doesn't really matter. Only thing that we really need to know is that main characters are going to go off the treasure at the same time the bad guys are. And you do bring mm -hmm. up a good point, Corbin, that the games don't necessarily have the most spectacular villains either. Um, and I, I do agree, but yeah, you also the nail on the head. They at least, you know, bring some kind of opposing force that, you know, drives you forward to you know, at least trying to finish the games and makes the story be keep moving. Yeah. This, I don't feel that. This one, it's like, it really only exists because Nathan Drake um, and Party feel that they need to get the treasure. And the villains don't really come into effect until like halfway into the movie. Yeah, that was actually very surprising how, I, and I wasn't even sure. I was like, so are, are these the bad guys? Is is she yeah. bad? Is yeah. she I don't know. Same. Yeah. It's surprising. Same. I, I had to figure out why do they want the treasure again? Why are they bad guys? I had to figure that out because I didn't remember. Uh -huh. And there's really no world changing consequences to this. Whereas oh, no. in no. some Uncharted games, it could be like, well, if they get their hands on this, it could be bad for the rest of mm -hmm. mankind or something. One of the other driving forces in the video games that is hard to replicate in a movie, I would say, are the mechanics of a video game. The Uncharted mm -hmm. games, at least Uncharted 4 and some of the newer ones, I, I think they have very good gunplay mechanics to them. At least I enjoy them. I mean, The Last of Us, they're not as good as The Last of Us, okay? But they're close. Mm -hmm. The closest thing I can get to satisfying that on the big screen is like the John Wick movies, I think has some good gun action in it. 
this that was sorely lacking in this because in those uncharted games yeah. you are shooting almost the whole time it seems like yeah yeah for uh you know a game or i guess a game series that's wrapped around you know gunplay as the action set pieces it is severely lacking in a movie called uncharted that you know is directly related to those games mm-hmm. nathan drake does not pick up a gun until the final act in this film what in the world why would they do that <laughs> that makes it's no surprising. sense to me it's a complete betrayal. It feels like almost a complete betrayal of uh, at least the, at least his character when it comes to the gameplay, because like, like you said, that's like the main thing when it comes to those games is gameplay is not the not the main thing, but it's the part that, you know, is defined those games is those action set pieces, which use guns. Why would they not give Nathan Drake a gun until the final act of this film? When you when you start the first game, the first thing you do is you have a shootout with a bunch of pirates that try to take the treasure mm-hmm. that you just pulled up from the from the sea floor. So I agree, I agree with you. It doesn't make any sense why they would skip out on that and just not do it. Well, it also doesn't make sense is their inclusion of Chloe into this film. They mm-hmm. clearly just wanted to bring her in because they wanted to establish her as a character, establish the relationship with Drake. But at the same time, she's never really given anything of importance to do. And in fact, they realize this and they completely crop her out of the third act altogether. And she goes off on the wrong coordinates. And then she, we only get one last shot of her shaking her fist at the sky as they, you know, helicopter away. Her dropping out of the third act isn't good. If you drop characters like if you bring up characters at the start of an act like the second act and then you drop them out of the third act you don't know how to handle them in your screenplay and that begs Mm -hmm. the question could they work do are they even a necessary inclusion so i think the actress does have a lot of charisma and like energy on screen that i enjoy watching her on screen but nevertheless her character is just kind of a disappointment whereas and i'll just say this overall I don't think these characters have strong chemistry. All these actors have strong chemistry. Whereas. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which is shocking because they're real people. Whereas in the video game, you know, you're thinking of Sully and Elena and Chloe. There is strong chemistry between the video game characters. Yeah. uh, No, I think you're exactly right. They're missing a lot of things with these characters. To be fair, none of the characters are really all that deep and they never really were in the games. I think Uncharted 4 does the most to humanize Nathan Drake as a character. Um, But every other side character in all the games have never really been that deep because they're not really supposed to be. This one is just the most shallow of shallow (laughs) characters I've seen in a long while because they all have literally the defining characteristic of uh of solely in this in this movie is that he's greedy and wants money uh so that's why he's on the the hunt for the treasure that's the only reason why he's on this adventure um so it it's it's very lacking in characterization Uh, again to be fair the games don't have a whole lot of depth either aside from nathan drake in the fourth game um i think that there's a little bit here and there but not really on like thousand foot ladder I think the other thing too is <laughs> this is this becomes like backstabbing the movie because every character backstabs each other for the entire runtime. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I wrote I had to write this down in my notes because it happens like four or five different times. So Moncada kills his father because um, he isn't worthy 
because he isn't worthy of the mm -hmm. treasure. Okay, Sully was going to leave Nate after the action or after the auction scuffle. Chloe backstabs Nate and Sully three times. <laughs> when, once when she tries to run off with the crosses, which was a whole other thing I want to talk about here in a second. Um, she, then she also works for Mankata. Then she also tries to take information from Nate where the treasure is, but. Surprise, surprise, Nate backstabs and gives her the wrong coordinates. And then at the last, uh, and then towards the end, Braddock also backstabs Mankata and tries to take the treasure for herself. Everyone just backstabs each other for these, this <laughs> entire movie. It got to a point where I was like, just waiting for it to happen. Like, okay, when is, you know, when is Chloe just gonna try and walk off with those coordinates that her and Nate just found? Like just waiting for it to happen. And unfortunately, with that much backstabbing going on, it leaves very little impact because backstabbing mm -hmm. makes the most impact once, it, when you just do it all the time, then you expect it. When you've established trust between right. characters and then that trust is broken, normally towards the climax of the movie, that's when you bring out the emotions. But you're right, it was coming a mile away how often she would backstab him. Chloe particularly was really bad about it. But mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it was annoying. But going back to the characterization, I think that is just something this movie does poorly. It's just bad. And I'm very disappointed about it because this is supposed to be the origin story. I'm not really getting much origin with these characters or I'm not getting much motivation as far as what what are they doing? What is Chloe's motivation for Pete's sake to doing all of this stuff? Right. You know, and between right. Nate and Sully, I just don't think Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg have very much chemistry. I don't really care to see them on screen together that much. I don't think that they honestly embody the characters of Nate and Sully at all, uh, no. which I nope. think is just the first problem yep. before even the chemistry, uh, because you're right, there is very little chemistry in be between them. And what there is, I feel like it's really forced. Um, Nate as a character is not Tom Holland. They got Tom Holland and they got Mark Wahlberg uh, from what I see because they are big names and they bring in all the money, especially Tom Holland. I mean, did you see how much money <laughs> that new Spider-Man came, that new Spider-Man came, got mm -hmm. in? Like third, top grossing movie of all time. Yeah. Um, of course, they wanted Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg because they're big names. That, But that was like the only reason why they ever got them, not because they embodied the role. I have complained about this in the past where movies that we've reviewed where sometimes an actor or actress will come on screen to embody a character and all I see is that is that actor or actress. This is probably the worst I've seen in a while. It's just like, I only see Tom Holland and, uh, and Mark Wahlberg. I don't see Nate and Sully. And that's disappointing. And I don't necessarily need to see the Nate and Sully that I know. What I do need mm -hmm. to see is that these guys can bring some serious charisma because those characters in yep. the game are very charismatic. They have a lot of personality. There's just not a lot of personality to go around here between any of these characters. I mean, Chloe might have the most personality. I don't know. But everybody else is just kind of... <laughs> okay, the director told me to do this. <laughs> I'm going to go yeah. for it now. Um yeah, I agree with you. It's disappointing, but I I will also say also say that I'm very disappointed that the puzzles in this are far too simplistic. I feel like the puzzles are treating the audience like we're dumb. Like I I think yeah. audiences enjoy trying to figure this kind of stuff out. And the puzzles in the game can be 
very difficult at times or fun challenges at the very least. These are just like, what kind of crappy inventions are these? Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. The The puzzles were basically non-existent to me. I forgot that there were even, I guess, there were more like obstacles. Yeah. Really for these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, you're right. For, you know, the game has a, a gameplay loop of, you know, uh, action and then puzzles and then traversal. Um, and But this kind of follows the same template um, where it's action, traversal, and then a puzzle if you want to call it that they sometimes it's solved in like five seconds <laughs> but yeah no you're right the i think that's also gonna be the hardest thing to put on the screen is how do you solve a puzzle um because that's different than putting it in a game because you're relying on you know the, the player to figure it out instead of now we have to do everything on screen everything has to be figured out by the characters yeah no you're t- you're definitely right um i was also sad to see in the Uncharted games, they did a lot with like scope. They did a lot with awe. You would like discover this like awe-inspiring lost city. We never got mm-hmm. that. I get it. We saw these like two lost pirate ships. I already saw that in Goonies like 30 years ago. But yeah. I'm just, yeah. I never got yeah. that sense of like, oh, wow. They just uncovered like this like t- a thousand foot statue that you have, that they now have to like c- travel and climb up. And what if they fall mm-hmm. down and there's this like scope and whatnot it's just not here in this movie i will say the only time we get that is when he's falling out of the plane but i want to see him come across shangri-la and have some really incredible scenery there yeah something unique right right? right. or something at all because even the airplane scene was pulled straight from three like Mm -hmm. that it's like a a copy paste from the third game right so i i agree with you you know why why i wish they would have gone down like a Shangri-La or something that felt a little bit more unique. I think Shangri-La or something like it is in one of the games, but yeah. I think the the point still stands, right? Why not do something like that? Because the climax that we have is helicopters that are um, carrying these old, old pirate ships that are flying in the air. And that's how they have like, I guess their own pirate battle. From what's in the games, that seems really out of left field. It seems kind of weird. So I, I'm with you. I wish they would have gone for something. I mean, something different. Something that's a bit more unique. The, what we have, I think, just is strange. I, it's a weird. It's a weird climax to me. I think the climax is fine. I think it does its job by being exciting. It's you know kind of evokes this like old swashbuckling like adventure with pirates and stuff. I don't think it's great. There's definitely climaxes we've got in the video games before that are far better and far more invigorating than this one. But overall, yeah, it's just kind of kind of like a sweet potato. It's kind of bland. There's some flavors to be had in certain spots. But overall, mm-hmm. I mean, you're not terribly excited to eat the sweet potato, but, you know, well, I, I guess I'll try it. I don't know. That's how I feel. <laughs> yeah. One of the other things, too, is this kind of relates to the climax and – uh, Chloe's at first action scene that I want to talk about is sometimes characters just make strange decisions to do things. Uh, for for example, in this climax, right, the enemies, they have a ship, right, full of treasure. They have it. They're going back to one of the cargo ships to carry it away. And then they notice that, oh, wait a minute, our other helicopter that has the other ship is flying away from us and Nate and Sully have that helicopter. Instead of, you know, landing what they have on the cargo ship, 
they risk it all and go after our main characters. I don't know why they would do that. Um, I would think that, you know, to at least be on the safe side to know that, okay, we at least have something. <laughs> they put the <laughs> ship down and then go after him. And it's the same with uh, with uh, with Chloe's scene. We for our first introduced to, to Chloe, she grabs both the crosses and then just books it. And then an action scene spontaneously co- uh, comes out of nowhere and uh, Nathan is chasing after him. And then we find out that, oh, wait, she doesn't know where she was, where she's supposed to go anyways. So it's like, okay, well, then what was the point of that whole scene? Why did Nate just chase her for like a few minutes? And if she wasn't going to be able to know where to go without the missing piece. It's just like things like that are like constant throughout this film. Those are probably the two biggest ones that stood out to me is they just don't make any sense. You are definitely right. In hindsight, you can look back on it like we're doing and say, well, that was illogical. And it is, Mm -hmm. and that shouldn't be the case. In the moment of the movie, I guess I wasn't even thinking about it because I'm just like going along for the ride. But you're right. Now that, you know, you dissect it, these character choices are crazy. Like, mm-hmm. I, and I feel like, I feel like the reason is, Alan, they're doing it just to be, oh, just to be exciting, just so they can run around on rooftops and just so Tom Holland can jump on, you know, chandeliers or f- hanging fluorescent lights like Tarzan and swing around and, and Mark Wahlberg can dress up like a waiter and just get away. And yeah, I mean, when it's all said and done, it, really doesn't make a whole lot of sense, these choices. Yeah. I think probably you're right. I think one of the most egregious ones is the fact they just decide to go, you know, play Rock'em Sock'em Robots with the pirate ships and just decide yeah. to go <laughs> smashing through the sky with them. And it's just like, yep. why? That, what do you think you're going to do? You think you're going to commandeer the ship again somehow? It doesn't make any sense, but... Right. I don't know. Movie logic, I guess. No, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Totally right. Right. It's like I said at the very beginning, if you think too hard about the story of this film, the whole thing just kind of starts to fall apart. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Well, it's it, this is one of those things where I was thinking about it afterwards and I was just like, wait, yeah, why did they start running after Chloe? She wouldn't have been able to go very far anyways. So what was the point? Why not just follow her until, you know, until you can get a leg up on her, not just all of a sudden just bust out in a, in a full on sprint. It small things like that. I'm just like, wait, what, why? <laughs> so. Also, Nate is an is a is an alcoholic. I guess. Uh, how does he was he ever a bartender in the games? I don't believe. I think it's so. a new thing. I mean, the okay. third game opens with a bar fight, but as far right. as I know, that's as close to a bar as I as it gets. Okay, because they really make it a big point that he like uh, he has a, like drinks constantly and like knows his liquor. I uh-huh. don't really know where where it's supposed to go, but it's like a main point of the story. So I was well, trying to remember if there was ever like that in the games that I just no. forgot. But no, whatever, I guess. yeah, it's weird how much he they focus on his bartending mixology in the beginning of the movie because it never mm-hmm. comes back into play in the rest of the movie. It's just a useless right. skill set up to show that he has great memorization. He's a con man. He can, you know, look over here while I take your bracelet over here. And I, I did think this was interesting. Um, Stuart made a really good point in now playing's review of it. Tom Holland is supposed to be the main draw for this. He's the young hunk. All the girls want to come see. 
But his introduction in this movie is stealing from these stupid, snotty rich girls. And <laughs> and Stuart's like, so oh, yeah. all these girls are coming to see him and now they're going to just come out hating him because he's just stealing from them and making them look like bimbos. That's that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> if, of all the things to introduce your character with, especially Tom Holland. Yeah. Why that? Yeah. Weird. No, that, that's a good point. Well, <laughs> that's and a really funny point now. I'm thinking about it. It is. And the other thing that I just can't help but feels a little frustrating is the whole montage in the first act, which leads up to the heist at the auction is completely pointless where we see Tom Holland studying the maps and the schematics and he's figuring out how mm, to... Yeah get the power turned off. None of it comes into play, which is supposed to be played for laughs. But at the same time, I don't know, don't spend that much time on something because now I feel like you're just padding the runtime or something. Right. Yeah, I feel like this is very much a film that is escapism for escapism's sake, like to a point where, you know, it just doesn't make any sense, right? Um, because they're, they would, characters would just do things that don't make any sense. Sometimes they just kind of show things that, have no real purpose in the whole film because it never really gets to that point. Like Tom Holland just studying the schematics and whatever. And then when it <laughs> does get to that point, they go a completely different direction. Um, I, that's, I think one of the biggest things for me is that it's just escapism for escapism's sake. If you don't think about it, then you're probably going to have a good time. But <laughs> the second you do, then things start to fall apart. Yeah. And, and it is a little frustrating because they do start off with similar sequences from the games and then they just go in a totally different direction and it's never as exciting because when they are trying to escape the auction, when Nate is trying to shut down the power in Uncharted 4, it is a much more thrilling escape than this was. This is oh, just, yeah. A, it's far too easy and it's just silly, but I don't know. Overall, this is this does feel very much like it's either made for families or it's made for kids. It's made for a new, younger generation. I still think they made this into a fun movie. They just decided to throw logic out the window and they decided yeah. that the audience probably... I, I don't know. I, f I do feel like they don't treat the audience like they're very smart. They just didn't deliver much of a comparable film. Another interesting thing, too, is, you know, we talked about, you know, it. this does... Uh, and in fact, you were, you were just mentioning it. They they do copy, you know, elements from the games. It's mostly three and four, and especially four. Um, and I noted that I saw somewhere that that was like the main uh, inspiration, or I guess they deliberately pulled a lot of elements from the fourth game. Mm -hmm. um, it's just interesting to me that, you know, the the highest rated game of this whole series is Uncharted 2. And as far as I'm aware, except for maybe a small reference to like, you know, cutting to a middle part of the game at the at the very beginning um, to start it off with, with, that, with that cold open, that's about as far as it goes. Uncharted 2 is the highest rated uh, game of, you know, all four of them, uh, but they don't pull anything from it, which I think is very strange. Um, I, I think it's yeah. an odd choice because, you know, if we were to pull anything from Uncharted 2, Again, highest rated film or highest rated film, highest rated game of the series. Why Why wouldn't you do that? Uh, I, I can understand why they wouldn't pull from one, uh, but I think that they probably should because it is, you know, the first game and it's the first game is also the first movie. Um, but I'm curious to know why they, did, why they only went for three and four. But it's not that big of a deal, but I'm just curious. Yeah, I think four is probably the one most people are associated with at this point mm -hmm. since it came out for playstation 4 
It was probably the biggest of the series, but I am surprised two has some great stuff in it that yeah. is just missing. So I'm, I guarantee they will bring it back up in a sequel, but it is weird how they choose to deliver the timeline in the story. They kind of jumble up the timeline with how characters meet and where they just pull this information from to create kind of this new pseudo timeline. It's very different from how it all plays out in the games. Yeah, I can tell that the movie is not really going to relate to anything that the games have to offer outside of taking a few of the elements from it to craft a stone story. And most of that will be action set pieces. Well, that's all I've got. Do you have anything else? Let me see. I think that's pretty much it. Oh, I guess we can talk about the music real quick. Um, okay. The music is eh at best. <laughs> they make up their own theme. Um, which I think is interesting. Uh, I think maybe they're opening the door for future sequels to really pull in the main, like Nathan Drake's main theme um, and use it then because they they reference it a, a couple of times in this movie. But by and large, all of the rest of the musical score that you hear in this film is all custom, um, which is rather bland. But I'm wondering if in the future we'll get that, you know, the actual theme that comes on like fully and because the only time we really get it is a couple of small moments but i think it's an interesting choice that they would just not use it at all in this film music is a big part in the video games and the mm -hmm. video games feature a great theme and a great soundtrack this music didn't make an impact on me in the movie i mean it played to the scene but it didn't it wasn't some great it's not going to be the great theme like the original uncharted was so i i hope they try and incorporate more of that in here it's just weird to me because a lot of this is like somebody already invented like the super high performance wheel let's say for a for a supercar and then they're like mm -hmm. okay i like that idea but um let's just chip it out of stone and it's going to look similar but it's just not going to have the same performance and that's just how i kind of feels about the film is it's like why why did why did you do why did you make these choices right yeah i think you're exactly right well alan what is your rating and recommendation for uncharted i gotta say for a movie called uncharted that is you know very clearly trying to be like the video games the four i guess technically five with the uh the newest release um that did come out it really only relates to those video games kind of by name and a I cop like a few scenes because the characters of Nate and Sully do not feel like Nate and Sully in any sense of the word. Um, this movie is rather choppy, especially in the opening. It kind of goes way over the top. It's escapism for escapis escapism's sake. And I feel like that's really the only reason why it exists. I was afraid that I would forget about this movie pretty quick after walking out of the theater. So I had to quickly <laughs> write down my thoughts before that actually happened. I got to say, when I was, when we were getting ready to record today, Corbin, I had to like, okay, what happened in this movie? Because like, I just couldn't remember because it's pretty darn forgettable. If you're going into it and you just kind of want to get away for a little bit and you don't really want to think about it, then you'll probably have, will have fun. I mentioned this a little bit ago. Um, if you go into it looking for a good movie and you're ready to think about something, then you, you're going to be pretty disappointed. I can't say I recommend Uncharted. I wasn't really looking forward to see it and my thoughts were only more than confirmed. So I think it's very okay at best. Uh, other than that, it's pretty darn bad. So I'm going to give it a four out of 10. Definite and half recommend for me. 
Uncharted is a fun blockbuster providing a lighthearted excursion to exotic locales, swashbuckling 80s adventures, and likable characters. While it's not as hard-hitting or investing as the video game series, it still provides tons of easter eggs for fans and maybe enough excitement for newcomers. While this movie is fairly forgettable looking back in hindsight, I still think it's fun enough to return to for a summer movie night in. Hopefully the sequel will try harder with the plot, stakes, and bad guys, and Holland and Wahlberg's chemistry will continue to improve. Uncharted receives 6 stars out of 10 with a very mild recommend. So I know a lot of listeners probably might be surprised because I was fairly critical on this movie. As far as, yeah, as far as, you know, plotting and stuff goes, as far as, let's just say as far as the writing goes, it's, it's bad. It's not well put together. Mm-hmm. I will say as far as, as you were saying, Alan, just going in for a fun blockbuster type movie you can watch on the big screen. It's a popcorn flick. So that's where I'm yeah. landing. I tend to, if you've been longtime listeners, you know, I tend to prefer those kind of movies. I enjoy watching those like kind of cheesy to you'll, you'll, Recognize that in some of my recommendations here in just a minute, but I tend to still enjoy those kind of cheesy 2000s popcorn flicks. Not saying they're good, but I could still have fun with this, but I can definitely understand your rating, Alan, because yeah, this, they didn't try very hard. They kind of just phoned it in. Mm-hmm. So I guess I, do I even need to ask Alan, are you going to pick this one up? Or are you going to pass? Uh, I, th- I think I'll pass. I think I'll pass on this one. <laughs> You don't want the 4K Criterion when it comes out? Oh, Criterion. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Armageddon got a Criterion, so never say never. Okay, you, you have a point. That's very true. Although I haven't seen Armageddon, but I do know of the director attached to it. Uh, <laughs> you are very correct. This is very true. I guess it does technically have a chance. It does. Uh, you know, I'm going to, I'll add it to my collection. Like I said, I think this is one where I'm, I'm in the mood for something lighthearted. I don't have to think too hard. I can watch a fun adventure. Yeah, I'll probably add this one. It'll be cheap though. I'm not going out to buy it full price. This is going to be Black Friday, $5. Well, Alan, you didn't recommend this one, but do you have any other movies, TV, video game recommendations for the listeners? Yeah, I've got a few. Uh, okay, well, first off, obviously, uh, Indiana Jones can't go far without making that kind of a recommendation. Um, <laughs> but the other two that I have are Sahara from 2005. Mm-hmm. It's been a while since I've seen this. I remember liking it when I was a kid, back closer to when it released, I think. Um, so the quality of it, I, I, I don't know how, what I would think about it now, but from what I remember, it's it's also a similar, it's not as globetrotting, but it's a pretty similar action flick from my, if my memory serves me correctly. Matthew McConaughey is in it, Penelope Cruz is in it, and then some other guy that I forget his name is also in it. Um, then my last recommendation is National Treasure, which is a, a more of a nostalgia pick for me. Also, I haven't seen it in a number of years, but of course it's got Nick Cage in it and a couple yeah. other people. Um, Remember that being pretty good? That was a pretty big thing when I was a kid. So those are my three recommendations. National Treasure is a good one to recommend. Yeah, it's definitely in the same similar vein as this movie, I would say. I 
I forgot all about Sahara until you brought that up. I checked. I logged that on Letterboxd. Mm-hmm. Last time I watched that was August 2016. It was the one and only oh, time I watched it, but I seem to have enjoyed it. So my rec- first recommendation, of course, is going to be the Indiana Jones series, which Alan and I are coming back for this year or next year. I don't know. Indiana Jones 5 did wrap filming and they're currently editing the film. So, uh, we're coming back to that series. We'll see how that goes. I'm kind of worried. Well, I also will be recommending the Angelina Jolie duology of the Tomb Raider films from the early 2000s. The first Tomb Raider is a lot more fun. I recently just watched Tomb Raider 2 for the first time. It's disappointing. It's not very good. But the first Tomb Raider, you'll have fun with. And my, I'm coming back to Spielberg here. I'm going to be recommending The Adventures of Tintin, which I love that movie. I just love it. Uh, I think the animation is incredible. I I mean, I'll, I'm going to recommend also the cartoon one, not just the theatrical movie. The cartoon has some solid mystery, not for kids. I mean, no, it's for kids, but just realize that bad guys don't just fall in the water and swim away. They get shot in the cartoon, <laughs> but never the... It's totally more realistic. When you get shot, you're dead. So, more realistic, it sounds like. Anyways, the movie is phenomenal. That is a <laughs> globe-trotting treasure hunting adventure that is innumerably more exciting than this and just far better done. So if you haven't seen The Adventures of Tintin, you're seriously missing out. That's a great one. So will we be getting an Uncharted 2? I think the answer is yes. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to come back and review (laughs) Uncharted 2 since this is a one-off birthday pick, but it should be noted a sequel has not been greenlit as of the time of this recording, but the Sony Pictures chairman described Uncharted as a successful film franchise for them because of the box office numbers. So because of how well it's doing at the box office, because of the star power of Holland, They, and I don't, we didn't really talk about it much, but they are hardcore setting this up for a sequel. I mean, we essentially get the first few minutes Mm -hmm. of, I'm assuming, Uncharted 2 in the mid credits already. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. They, they are really pushing for, you know, this to become some kind of franchise and a sequel. So I wouldn't be surprised if we get one. I think maybe Tom Hall might be hard to get their hands on because he's going to be busy with being Spider-Man in the future, I'm sure. But it wouldn't surprise me mm-hmm. that they would definitely go down yeah. the sequel route. And clearly there's a lot of room for improvement. So I'm holding out hope an Uncharted 2 could be much better. They could fix a lot of these issues is my hope. So mm-hmm. I haven't lost hope for the franchise. I'm going to be going in skeptical, but I'm hoping they're just going to improve it. Because, I mean, I feel that way about the first game. The first Uncharted is fine, but yeah. the second Uncharted is even better. That's true. That's a good point, though. The first Uncharted game, especially in the light of, you know, the other four or five that came out, sorry, no, three or four that came out after it, um, you know, make it feel like more of the black sheep of the series because it is so different because the other games are really great. And compared to that one, it's very different. So maybe that'll be that same scenario where, you know, the sequel to Uncharted will be uh, will be great. Um, we'll have to see until it comes out. I'm going to remain skeptical. I I was skeptical going into (laughs) it. I'm going to remain skeptical until I see otherwise. 
Well, listeners, the question after the show is the Uncharted movie just as engaging as the video games? I'm going to say no, it's not. It's I think I, I'm with you. <laughs> no, unfortunately, I think the video games have a, as we've talked about extensively, the video games have a lot more to offer as far as characterization, storytelling, and even adventure. So this can provide you some of it can provide you a taste, I would say, of the adventure in the video games, but it's not going to be the full meal, unfortunately. So, uh, yeah, go play the video games. All right, Alan, thank you for joining me. Sure thing. All right, listeners, thank you for joining us with our review of Uncharted. Like I said, next week, I'll be coming back to review the fifth and hopefully final install installment of the Die Hard series, <laughs> A Good Day to Die Hard. I have seen that one and I have some choice words for <laughs> it. I I did go see it oh. in IMAX. It, uh, it wasn't pretty, but uh, I'll, I'll save those thoughts for next week, listeners. Make sure to hit subscribe. If you have not already, you're not gonna wanna miss out on that. And after that, on to Kingsman, finally, after Disney or, you know, yeah, Disney did all they could to delay the third movie. So, uh, not sure. Have heard some bad things about that third movie, but I'll try to be open-minded. It's on Hulu and HBO Max, so it's pretty easy to watch now. Well, we've got that to look forward to coming up. So make sure you subscribe. Make sure to share with your friends and family. We love talking about movies and we love talking about them with you. So we'll see you next week with a good day to die hard. Hey listeners, it's Corbin. Don't forget to check out the exciting links in the description below that will connect you with more great movie reviews for your listening pleasure and our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter page. And of course, our official website where you can read great articles and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Also, if you want exclusive bonus content such as extra movie reviews, movie commentaries, and our thoughts on the latest movie news and trailers, plus more, then check out our Patreon page. It's a great way to help keep this show free, and it gives you great content that's yours to keep. All of that and more is found in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe whether you're on YouTube, Apple, Google, or Stitcher, or your favorite podcast service. And while you're at it, please leave us a five-star review so other movie lovers can more easily find our podcast. We love talking about movies, and we love talking about them with you. So don't forget to share with your friends and family, and we'll see you next week, listeners. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide.